I'm going to preach the message on growth, and I'm going to preach because this year we're believing for growth. You can grow individually. We can grow as a church. So I'm going to preach the message on growth, but actually it's a message on prosperity. It's a message on you prospering. Does God want you to prosper? I think he does. You may have in your mind, no, no church or Christianity is about having nothing and giving it all away. Well, actually, I think there's balance with it. I think the Bible teaches us, you know, that God actually wants us to prosper. And there are examples in the Bible we've just read. If you read in the Bible reading plan, it, we've been reading about Job. Job had lots of stuff, right? He was prosperous. And then it gets removed from him. And then in the end, God makes him even more prosperous. So I don't think God has a problem with making people prosperous. I think God wants you to prosper, not just financially, but more importantly, he wants you to prosper in your heart, he wants you to prosper in your soul, he wants you to prosper in life, he wants you to live life to the full. That's what Jesus said, you can live life to the full. He wants you to be full. How do we get full then? We get full by understanding what God's word says about us, what God's word says about this world, what God wants us to do in this world. If we can get full of God's word, then I'll guarantee if you put it into action, your life will become full and you'll live a fulfilled life. Let's read Psalm 1. I love this Psalm. I love it. I just love the imagery that, that is written in here about a person prospering. Let's just read it. It says, we've got Psalm 1. Are we up? Psalm 1, it says, Blessed is the man who does not walk in the counsel of the wicked, or stand in the way of sinners, so you have a choice, or sit in the seat of mockers. But, so this is the man who prospers, but his delight is in the law of the Lord. His delight is in God's word. His delight is in God. In the New Testament, that is receiving the good news, the gospel, the spirit of God in your life and bringing newness to you. All good things come from God. And it says, on his law, he meditates day and night. He is like a tree planted by streams of water. I like that image. Anybody who knows my heart, and I believe I've got a vision for this church, I see a river running by and I see people planted by it and their roots going deep down into the river so that they can grow, become strong and flourish and then the trees multiply and help other people. It goes beyond these four walls. It's called Change the Game Church. It's outside of these four walls. It's for this church to expand. And it says here, he is like a tree planted by streams of water which yields its fruit in season and whose leaf does not wither. I think of evergreen. Whatever he does, prospers. Whatever he does. So we're not just talking money today. We're talking about whatever you do can prosper. How do you do that? By listening to God's word and putting it into practice. There has to be an outworking because it says whatever he does or she does. There has to be a doing with it. It's no good just being a hearer of the word or uh, making you feel good, but actually not doing nothing with it and helping somebody else out. It's not a doing of the word. So if you want to prosper, you've got to listen to the word and put it into action. You've got to be a meditator on the word. That means you've got to think on it. Think as God thinks. Think what God thinks about you and get that in your heart and get it in your mind so that you begin to think like he thinks and live your life like he wants you to live. And I'll guarantee you'll prosper. Why? Because he says you will. He says you will. Not I. He says you will prosper. I want you to prosper this year. Because if you prosper, the person next to you prospers. And I prosper. 
and your neighbor prospers if we do it correctly. It isn't just about me, you know, earning my money and me becoming. It's not just about me. It's a bigger picture than that. It's about God's kingdom, and we'll touch on that in a moment. So let's just, does God want us to prosper? Let's, under, let, let's just read some scriptures on why we should prosper. Let's have a look. Deuteronomy 8, verse 18 says, basically, God establishes his covenant with his people. God has a covenant with you. If you are God's people, he's got a covenant with you. He, he is in agreement with you. He, is, he loves you. He's died for you. He's given you all this resource. He's got resource in heaven that's available for you to live your life. That means he says you'll prosper. You'll prosper because he's got a covenant with you. He had a covenant in the beginning with Adam. He had a covenant with, with Noah. He's had a covenant with Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, and on and on and on, even down to little you. He is in covenant with you. So he wants you to prosper. It says in... I haven't got the scripture. God delights in the prosperity of his servants. So God delights when you prosper. God's cheering you on. My servant is prospering. My follower is prospering. They are getting better. It is well with their soul because they are my servant and they are following me. God delights in it. Proverbs 13 verse 22 says, It is wise to leave an inheritance. A good person leaves an inheritance. I spent most of my life living with my parents, giving everything they could to, to pay for a mortgage, really, that they couldn't afford. And to the point where they made many sacrifices. And I didn't quite understand why we didn't have much money. We, we were not poor, but we always struggled. But when I read this, I understand what they were doing for me. They were putting all of their money into house so that I don't have to live in the same cycle that they've lived in. They're breaking the cycle for me. It is good for you to leave an inheritance. Matthew 6, another reason why God doesn't want you, why God wants you to prosper. He doesn't want you to worry about your daily needs. How many of us are consumed by where's the money going to come from or where's the food, more importantly, going to come from? I need money to buy the food and where's this going to, where's my mortgage going? But if you're prospering, then you've got the provision to get you out of that. It's not got you, you've mastered, you're mastering it. Do you still believe God wants you to prosper? For some of you, you might be like, oh, I, I'm not a prosperous person. Well, we're going to hit that at the end as well. I'm going to give you some tools to help you to break that limitation over your mind. If you live with a poverty mindset, we're going to hit it. And I believe God can set you free and make you prosperous. Does anybody want to be prosperous? Oh, it's not Christian to be prosperous. It's biblical to be prosperous. You're talking to about a man here who's got a poverty, who've had a poverty mindset, and I'm having to break out of it myself. Anybody want to prosper? Okay, so here's another one. 2 Corinthians 9, 6 to 8 says this. Basically, so we can have all sufficiency in all things so that you can do good works. Or sorry, we can do good works works. If you have the money, you're paying the bills, you're doing everything, plus you have extra, we then can do good works as a church. 160 ferals have been done. Why? Because the sufficiency that you had, you put into it so that we can do it. Otherwise, if we don't prosper, we've got no money to do anything. And it's not just about the money. Sorry, it's not about the money. I nearly, I nearly burst into song, but I'll hold back because my voice is even worse than Michael's. Right? <laughs> Actually, Michael can sing. Michael's a karaoke king, I tell you. You, you have to fight the mic off him when, he, when it's karaoke. And he actually thinks he's quite good. He is okay, actually. <laughs> he's better than me. 
He's better than me. Okay. Another reason why to prosper is so that we transfer the money that's in the darkness into the light. We don't want money being spent for wrong reasons and darkness. We want to get that money out of that and put it into good. We want to transfer the wealth into the goodness of God. Another reason why you need to prosper. Another one is this, touched on it. Deuteronomy 28 verse 12 to 13 says this. Basically, God's speaking to the people. If you prosper and do well, you will master it. In other words, you will be the head, not the tail. You will be in charge of your life. There's another proverb that says this, the hand of the diligent will rule, but the lazy man will be put to forced labor. In other words, if you're lazy and you've got no money, then actually you think you're in charge, but actually you've been mastered because you haven't got the resource for your life. You become the tail and somebody else is leading you. The debt is leading you. The pressure is leading you. The worry is leading you. It's consuming you because... You're not becoming the head, you're not prospering. Now, sometimes we need a hand out of that. Sometimes we need support to get out of that. You know, we need resource to get out of that. And that's why the people of God, we can help people to get out of that, believe, put faith in there, give them hope that they're going to get out of that. But ultimately, if they prosper, they become the head, not the tail. They become the master. They become at the top, not at the bottom. Is this okay? These are reasons why we prosper. Another one is this. Matthew 7 verse 11 says this. God delights in giving his good things. God wants you to enjoy good things. He wants you to do well and he wants you to enjoy life. But he also wants you to do something with the excess and the, the stuff that you have, not just let it be consumed by yourself. Materialism, I believe, is not a problem. It's what we do when we have all the stuff is the problem. It's not a problem having stuff. It's what we do with the stuff becomes the problem. Anybody had any gadgets for Christmas? One person at the front. So. Any gadgets, right? You know, you have gadgets for Christmas. Or anybody had a hair, new hairdryer, ladies, tongue, these things that you straighten your hair? Tongs, I don't know what you call them now. They have all these latest gadgets, they're all funny shapes and stuff. Lee's had one, I don't know what you've had tongs for, mate. You know, go, eh? Right? Right? Has anybody had it? I had some clippers the other day. My clippers broke, I had some clippers shaved my hair. Anybody had it? You know, when you get them, right? They always come with a warning sign, don't they? You get the instructions which most of us never read, if we're honest. Oh, sorry, the blokes never read, right? right? We don't read them, but on there, there's always this warning. It's always like, don't keep between 15 degrees and 25 degrees. Keep out of direct sunlight. Anybody, you know what I'm talking about? Sarah, I bought Sarah a mirror for Christmas, one with a light on. It's got like a, a light rim around it. One side, it's normal. The other side, it's magnified. All right, uh, uh, as though you want to see your spots, you know what I mean? Make them twice the size. It's like, what do I want to magnify them for? They're bad enough as they are. So, but on it, it's had a sticker. I've not got money spots. Listen, it's for me, it's not for Sarah. Sorry, I'm making it worse. I'm not, I'm not doing any good this morning. So here's the deal, right? On it was a warning. It said, don't leave in direct sunlight. I'm like, of course you don't. As if I'd leave it in direct sunlight, right? As if you do. But it comes to the warning, doesn't it? Listen, money's the same resources are the same it's not a problem to have the stuff the problem is we get some warnings from the bible about it right we get some warnings from scripture it's not about the money it's about the love of money it's about the prioritizing of money in our lives what we do with it so money's great it's great to be rich paul speaks to timothy in the new testament and he writes to him he says command the rich people to do good he actually says that he says command if you've got money i command them to release the finance and put to do good with it that's a that's a fair i'm not commanding you i'm just saying what paul said to timothy 
release your money and put it into God's kingdom, right? So that's what he writes. Money's not a problem, but it does come with warnings. So let's have a look at some things, right? What it does when you give. Here are a few things, what it does to you when you give. The first one is this. It proves, and you can go home and do this, it proves where our priorities are from our habits. You go home and you write down everywhere where you put your money and have a look where it goes. And you'll soon find what you love. And you'll soon find your priorities. How much do you give into the church? How much do you give, obviously, to your family, which is a good, you need to do that. You need to look after your family. You need to love your family just as you love yourself, you know. Spend some money on yourself, you know. You're worth it, aren't you? You're beautiful. God loves you. You're worth it, you know. Don't walk around as though you're not. No, pick yourself up. God says he loves you. Spend something on yourself. I'm doing the ladies good tonight. Gents, I'm sorry. Go out and spend the money on them, you know. Valentine's Day's coming up. Come on. Sorry, I've got bad heads going like this. Sorry, I'm going to keep preaching it. Spend some money on yourself. God loves you. But, sorry, have you got it recorded? Just, just edit that bit out for me. <laughs> Dave's on the back. Got a man on sound. Top man. For those listening online, we just edited some really bad language out, so I do apologise, it's gone. <laughs> right, next thing we do, when we give, it does this, it frees us from the love of money. Love's not a priority when we're giving it away. I love Extreme Makeover. Anybody watch Extreme Makeover? If you're going to do a house, do it like Extreme Makeover. Can you imagine us as a church doing that? I think it'll turn out a mess, right? But... <laughs> But here's the deal. Imagine a community of people that get on board with doing something like that. I love what they do because they're not in it for the money. They're in it for the people. And God's business is into people. We need to manage money properly. But when we give, it says something about what's in our hearts. I believe. You know, the rich young ruler, he struggled to give all that Jesus challenged him to go home and give everything to the poor. Right? We're not, we're not challenged like that to give everything to the poor. We are challenged to give and if there is issues in our heart, then maybe Jesus will come and challenge us. The rich young ruler was challenged because his priorities in his heart wasn't going to be God. There were other priorities that Jesus knew. We see the widow's might, the widow who comes to the temple. She gives, all, she gives a small amount, but she gives all that she has. Why? Because her heart is so in love with God. She's not limited, which I'll touch in a minute, limited or restricted by giving because in her heart is God and she loves God and she wants to go to the temple and give an offering to God. So she gives all that she has. It's small, but it didn't matter because the heart is what God is after. God loves it. But giving frees us from the love of money. Third thing, we communicate our trust in God. We communicate our trust in God. When we give to something else or we give to the church, maybe you don't give to the church, maybe you don't give a portion of your money to the church, right? Your portion takes on staff, it does things, it feeds their children, you know, you're feeding their children. We rely on you. You're reliant on us. If I don't get money in, I, we don't get fed. Or I'm, I'm then got my head filled with stuff and then you miss out because you're not getting the stuff that I want to give you because I'm thinking about something else. We all benefit. Let's get real about this. Right? I'm not trying to manipulate you to get money. Hear my heart on this. But if you believe in the church and what the church is doing, in your heart, believe in God and believe in the church, his plan, then I'd encourage you to give into the church. Give a portion of your money 
A guidance is 10%. You know, maybe you're on a journey like that. You can't afford it yet. Don't force yourself. God doesn't condemn you. He loves you. But go on a journey of trusting God. Okay, God, I'm going to trust you with a portion this year. I'm going to go in 2%. I'm going to go in 5% of my earnings. I'm going to put in 10% of my earnings. I'm going to trust you this year. Does that make sense? And then outside of that, you may be making, I know people in the church that make other offerings beside of that that's nothing to do as a church. You can do that. We do that. Um, next one then. We conquer limitations by sowing seeds. I love this one. That will cause a harvest. When we give, you break limitations over your life, but also you break limitations over the church. There's limitations that, oh, the church will never do nothing. Well, if we give into it, it's not just about money. It's about resource, your gift, your talent, your serving, making this thing happen so that God's plan and God's will outworks. It's not just about money. You, you're the greatest resource that we've got. And if God can get your heart on his plan so that you're so in love with Jesus and all you want to do is help, what can I do to serve? What can I do to help? That is the greatest resource this house can help. Part of that that comes from that because you're so in love with Jesus is, well, I'll give my money into it as well because that's just a side thing, right? But if you're so in love with Jesus because Jesus died for you, then come on, we can break some limitations. The only person that will limit that is you because you'll limit yourself in giving into it. For whatever reason, we'll look at breaking that in a second. Are you still my friend? Do you want to prosper? Prospering comes with a cost. It comes with sacrifice. It comes with you stretching yourself. And actually, what you'll discover is, many of you probably have, you get such a freedom in it. Okay, next one is, we facilitate the growth of God's kingdom. So if God's kingdom's going to grow, who's going to grow the kingdom? You say, oh, God grows the kingdom. Yeah, he does, but he needs partners to work with him. He needs hands and feet on the ground. He needs resource that you have and bring into the storehouse or whatever, however you want to call it, bring into the church, bring into the body, helping one another, building one another up, right? How does youth get built when people serve and come together? How do kids get built when people come and serve and give themselves, give their time? That's how it works. You have the ability to grow this church. You. You will grow this church. Not me. You will grow this church. You will decide how this church grows. You will decide how God's kingdom grows. God has a plan. He has a blueprint. It's called the church. It's called the foundation of love. But actually, it comes down to you and me getting on board, us growing, and the church growing. There's no magic wand. Right, next one then. And six, what it does when you give is this. You follow God's instruction for your life. You are obeying and following Jesus when you give. When you serve, when you give of your time, when you go out of your way, when you're showing kindness, you're following the blueprint of God's plan for your life. You want to know what God's plan is for your life? Find out what the scriptures say and do it. Whatever he does, he who has planted, who meditates on God's word, is like he's planted. Whatever he does prospers. Whatever he does. Your job, your family, Giving in church, all areas of your life prospers because you're putting God number one. You're showing that you're following Jesus. So let's go on to the poverty mindset. Does anybody want to break a limitation over their life? You don't have to. You don't have to. But I believe you can. 
And I believe God wants you to as well. I believe it's not just, uh, hear my heart on this, right? This is not just about me asking you to get richer so that I get richer. It's not that at all. It's about this church prospering. And this church will prosper and God's kingdom will prosper if you prosper. Because we all benefit. So let's have a look then. How to prosper, I've called it this, in the face of a poverty mindset. Number one, prioritize God's kingdom. Don't want to hear that, Paul. What about my kingdom? What about me? Prioritize God's kingdom. What does that mean, Paul? What does it mean? What's this kingdom? What does it look like? It simply means this, that God is your king. God is the one who is the ruler over your life. If you surrender your life to God, who is king over sin and death, king over all things, what you're saying is, okay, Jesus, I'm going to trust you in my heart. God, I'm going to trust you in my heart. Now, all of my life is yours. You now rule in my life. You are the ruler. I'm going to trust you that your decisions over my life, your direction over my life is better than the way I used to live. I'm going to now trust you with my life. I'm going to trust you in my job. I'm going to trust you in my family. I'm going to meditate on your word. I'm going to do what it says with my family. I'm going to listen to you and I'm going to put it into place. It's simple. And Jesus speaks to his disciples and he says, look, seek first the kingdom of God and all the stuff that you're after, it'll get added. Wow. But what most of us do, we go, right, I'll go for the stuff. I'll get the job and I'll, you know, I'll get the career and I'll get the stuff. And and something inside of us isn't quite hitting the mark. Does anybody feel like that? I kind of drift to that and then I'll, oh, Jesus, I just missed it there. I'll come back. But when we put God number one, God helps us to prosper in all areas of our lives. He wants you to prosper in your relationships. Maybe you struggle with people. Maybe you just struggle connect. Well, God, if you go to him and do what the Bible says and put it into practice, will help you prosper relationally. It'll help you break down barriers. It'll help you build bridges with people. It'll help you how to work through your marriage issues. It'll help you with your financial issues. It'll help you with your job. Why aren't you hitting the mark? Or why do you keep losing a job? How, how, why? Well, go back to the word of God. And let's do what it says. Because he says, if you keep doing this, then you'll prosper. He wants all areas of your life. Don't hold on to your life and think, oh, I don't trust God. I don't know. I'm scared. No, 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 no. Let God into all areas of your life. It's a good thing to do. God is good and wants good things for you. And he wants you to prosper across the whole board. Simple. Prioritize God's kingdom. The rich young ruler couldn't do it. He said, I'm doing this, and I'm doing this, and I'm doing this, and I've kept all your word, and I'm doing this. And he said, I want you to do one thing. Go and sell everything and give it to the poor. Why? Because in his heart was something else. Listen, I don't know what's in your heart. I can't see into your heart, but God knows what's in your heart. That's a conversation between you and God, what's in your heart. What is in your heart? Discipleship is about addressing the issues that are in your heart first and foremost. What are in my heart? Have I got, a, have I got some ego in my heart? Do I want to prove myself? And some of these things that you need to just work through so that you can know that God accepts you as you are. He loves you and have God's peace in your heart. And from that place of peace and God's grace, we can then flourish. Prioritize God's kingdom. Second one is this. You want to prosper in the face of a poverty mindset, 
Be committed to your life work. I don't want to hear that, Paul. I need to change your job. <laughs> okay, change your job, then be committed. What are you going to do? Right? If you're going to prosper, you've got to have some commitment, some perseverance. You've got to develop some character in your life that says, I'm not just going to give up at the first hurdle. I'm not going to give up at the first knockdown. I might not have been accepted in that job, but you know what? There's something in me that says there's a call on my life where I can do something with my life. So I might have had a knockback, but I'm going to be committed to finding out what it is in me that God's calling me to do. What are you good at? Have a conversation with someone. What is this person? What, what do you love doing? What just flicks your switch? If you're not doing that something that doesn't flick your switch, have a conversation with some people around you and say, do you know what? Maybe it's time for a change. But if you change, then what you must do is fundamentally say, I'm going to be committed to this. I'm going to commit. I'm going to make a career of this. And there's people in here who have made careers, you know? They're making careers. Some of you have probably had careers and retired. You know what it's like. Pass your wisdom on to the younger people that are coming through. This generation, it's just a quick fix. I can get online and get it on a second. I've got to go for a job. I can't get it in a second. No, you've got to put some work in and some time. You've got to study. You've got to get something if you're going to put it in here so that you can get it in. This generation just want to click a button and it's there. No disrespect to this generation, you know, but that's a little bit of what's the world that we're in. That doesn't mean that that's who you are, right? You may have had other things put into your life from your parents, but I want to encourage you, if you commit to something, if you commit to it and you're tenacious and you make it happen, I'll guarantee you'll prosper. Are these okay? Next one then. Oh, here's a quote from Martin Luther King. He says, all labor that uplifts humanity, that has dignity and importance, it should be undertaken Undertaken with painstaking excellence. Painstaking excellence. Something's worth doing. It's worth doing. You know it. How many of us live like that? If something's worth doing, I'm a bit OCD. I walk around this building going, oh, I've li I live most of my life in this building. And I walk around going, oh, that's not good enough. If it's going to be done, let's do it well. If something's worth doing, do it well. Have that spirit of excellence in your life. You'll stand out. There's people in the Bible who stood out. Daniel stood out. Joseph stood out. Why? Because they were hard workers and they, they did it with excellence. Yes, God was with them, but God's with you. God's in you. But it takes an attitude and a right mindset to say, do you know what? I can do it and I can do it well. I'll give the best that I can give. It might not be the same as them or them, but I'm going to give the best that I can give. I'm going to give all that I can do and I'm going to help people and I'm going to create a career so that other people, I can help whoever. Don't limit it yourself with, well, I'm not good enough. Stop it. Stop it. You are uniquely made. You've got a gift on your life. You've got a talent on your life. Let, 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 let's begin to, you know, meditate on God's word and find out what it is that you can give to this world. You can make a difference. Little me. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You can make a difference. There's people in the Bible who made a difference, not because they were any special. They just discovered God. And people can still make a difference in this world without finding God. But you know what? God wants you to do the best that you can do. Let's move on, okay? The next one is this. Be generous and liberal with your giving. You want to break a poverty mindset on your life, be generous and liberal. It's freeing. You know, I learned something the other week, how limited my mind can be. I'm being honest with you. 
and we've all got limitations and we're all on a journey to work through things. Who, who remembers the snow a few years back when we had quite a bit of snow? Three or four years ago and, we, and, we, and it drifted. Who loves a good snow drift? Oh, it's drifting. Yeah. It's not just snowing, it's drifting. Look, it's up the garage, look, it's drifting. Right? Because you get like one foot, two foot, three foot, five foot, jump in foot, don't you? Right? Jump in foot, that is. Let's get over the fields, drifting. Right? When it drifts, it's, it, it, right? And it drifted about four years ago. And I'm like, with the girls, I'm like, it's drifting, girls. Looking out the window, it's drifting, we're going out. Get the sledge, round it up. And it was one of them years that it was like two foot, two foot deep and you didn't have to round it up, right? It was all there. It was all there on the drive. And I'm like, it's igloo year. <laughs> it's the year of the igloo. So like, I'm like, get it in, girls. And they're all, they're freezing cold. It's like two minutes of crying. The finger's like, <laughs> I'm like, brave it, come on, right? Get the snow. It was all about me. So I'm building the igloo, right? And I'm like, I know I'll build an igloo. Pile it up. And I'm getting it up. I'm throwing the girls on the top. It's, it's like the snow's this high on the drive. The girls are like, you know, it's three times the size. And they're like, oh, wow. Right? And, and then the word gets out in the street. That dad down the road's building an igloo. Right? Word's out. Right? And then there's two. Then there's four. I felt like Jesus with kids around my feet. Come on. Oh, I've got it now, ministry. Just build an igloo, they flock. Right? They come to Jesus, they come to igloos. Right? Build an igloo. And I built this igloo and I built it out. And I'm thinking, don't collapse on these kids. I've got problems if it collapses. I'll just, I know what I'm going to do. Just feet drag out, pull out quick if it goes. I got it in my mind. And the kids flock round, right? They were there. Igloo. That bloke up the street, bullhead, built igloo. So we're having a great time. And then this year, we didn't, he didn't drift, did he? It's like no drifting. I'm like, come on, drift, drift. No drift. Just, just, just sprinkle. <sighs> That's not snow. You know, and the teachers are all excited. It's snowing! It's snowing! Snowing! You can feel your phone vibrating when you read one of their tweets. You feel that duck, it's a teacher, it's snowing. And that's not snowing, it's, it's not drifting. So, so anyway, I've not prepped any of this. Here's the deal, right? And, and I looked at the window, I said, the girls are like, it's snowing, daddy, igloo. And I'm thinking, I said, no, it's not drifting. Daddy, we're building an igloo. And I said, there's not enough snow for an igloo. There is, it's snowing. There's enough. And I'm like, there's not enough snow. Daddy, we're going out. Now they're a bit bigger now, right? The kids up the street, you know what they were shouting? It's igloo. I'm like, because he drifted up their way. It's not drifting. Grace said, I'm gathering it in, Dad. Gets the sledge out. Then I start piling it on from our yard. Right? And I'm like, they're not going to make an igloo. They're not making an igloo. There's not enough. There's not enough. Two hours later, I go out in the car, because it's not been drifting, there's not much. I drive up the street, what have they built? A blinking igloo. <laughs> they must have bought that, it's plastic, let me go have a look at it. Right? They built an igloo. There was no limitation on their life. They just knew what they wanted to do, and they just believed that they could do it. But they had more than enough. They didn't just have enough, they built a blinking bigger igloo than I built. And it wasn't drifting. multi-story car park at the side of it <laughs> you know roundabout ski slope you name it, it was there no right I'm getting a bit excited here's the deal right they were not limited in their mind 
Kids aren't limited in the minds. We as adults logically go, we cannot do that. We do not have enough. I know I'm an adult, I'm mature, I've left school, I know now. I'm educated and I know. Well, have some faith in the room. All things are possible with God. We can do whatever we want, church, if we all come together and believe. Well, I've only got a little bit of snow over here. Yeah, but if you bring it in and put it together, we can build an igloo. Some of you believe in it. But if you have a limitation on your mind that says, I'm not good enough, my gift isn't good enough, and we're not going to do this, then you're limiting what God can do. And I want to break that over your life today. Say, no more limitation. God says, you prosper in me. Give what you've got. You may have a bit of snow, give it then. You may have a small gift, give it then. There's nothing small in the kingdom of God. It only takes a little bit of faith, size of a mustard seed, and it'll grow. I'm not quite sure. Well, put your heart into it. Put God number one in your life. Trust that he loves you, that he died for you. Trust him in your heart and begin to step out. Begin to have this mind renewed up here that says, I'm not good enough or it's not good enough or, you know, we haven't got enough. We've got more than enough, church. If kids can build an igloo out of snow that didn't drift, here's the deal. We can build a great church out of your gifts because your gifts are far better than a drift. It's far better than a sprinkle. You're uniquely made. Made in the image of God. There's only one of you. God loves you. He believes in you. And he wants you to prosper. He wants you to do well. Because when you prosper, I prosper, we prosper, this world prospers. A few more things here to finish with. Borrow strategically and not excessively. So much pressure to spend and have the latest thing. It's not a problem to borrow money. It's not a problem to, you know, get a mortgage and to, you know, but do it strategically. Do it with wisdom. Don't just throw your money about here, there, and everywhere. Think, right, how am I going to invest in my future? My kids need a house. Well, my kids, think about the future of your kids. Think about the future, what you're going to leave for somebody else. If you haven't got kids, well, you can give the inheritance to something, to some, somebody or some organization you believe in, or somebody who needs it. Borrow strategically and excessively. And this one, I like this one. Next one, be wise in your approach to helping others. I, 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 hear my heart in this. We've got to help people. And we've got to have compassion for people. But we've also got to have wisdom in who we help. Let's read, have you got Leviticus 23? Sorry, that's my fault. Leviticus 23 Verse 22, God gives an illustration of what to do with people who are poor. And he basically says to the farmers who've got the resource, he said, see this field that you are harvesting? There's a field, you, you, are, you are prosperous. What I want you to do is the corners of the field, I want you to leave for the poor. In other words, a portion of your, what you have, your prosperity to the farmers, to the people who, who know how to harvest the crop, I want you to leave the corners of the field for the poor. That's the heart of God. Can you hear God's heart in this? Well, then he says this to him. Listen, he doesn't say this. This is me paraphrasing. He's, he's, he basically says this. Leave it, right? He doesn't say pick it. See the difference? He doesn't say pick all the harvests, then give to the poor. Why not? Why, why wouldn't you just go the extra mile and pick it for them and, you know, so that they could, you just give it to them, show them how kind you are. God understands wisdom and strategy far better than we do. 
He says, leave the field. Why is he telling them to leave the field? So that he can give a job to the ones who are poor. So that they actually, the lazy will sit there and not do anything, but the ones who want to prosper, who want to get out of a poverty, God's given them an opportunity to prosper. He's saying they can glean, the phrase is, they can go and get the crop themselves and they can take it and now they can begin to prosper. They'll get self and worth from themselves because they're doing something with themselves. They're getting themselves out of the hole. We're just giving them opportunity. And so often as a church, what we do is we go, we'll give you this, and sometimes we're not strategic enough. And I think we have to learn from that. I remember having a conversation with an organization in the city a few years back about soup kitchens. And the woman, a great organization, I'm not going to name them, great organization, she said, can I just ask one thing? Don't do the soup kitchens. I was like, I'm not doing a soup kitchen. Just because you're really not helping with the poor. You're not helping them get out because they know they've got a meal every week. And all you're doing is you're keeping them within poverty. Now, hear my heart on this. We've got to have compassion for people. But if people don't want to get out of poverty, God says some tough stuff about laziness in the Bible. We've got to be strategic where we put our money and our finances. We're going to help people who have a genuine need and actually want to lift limitations off their minds. Be wise in your approach to helping others. Be careful you don't get sucked into people who are just going to drain you and take the resource out of you. What you have to do is you have to see something back at some point from that. Otherwise, they just take, take, take. Right, the last one is this. Seek the success of those you serve. If you want to remove a limitation off your mindset, it's not just about us. It's not just about us prospering. God wants us to prosper. He wants our souls to be well. But if we're going to be bigger people who actually see the kingdom of God grow, we've got to look for the success of others. You know, wherever you serve, if you come and serve on a team, you know, is it about, I'm going to prove myself, so this is about me serving? No, it's about the success of others. Come in with that mindset that says, right, I'm going to come and give something. I'm going to come and bless. I'm going to come and carry some responsibility or some weight on this so that it frees somebody else up to actually do more. Seek the su- success. Let's careful I say that. Seek the success, right, of others. When you go to work on a Monday, seek the success of others. Well, you, know, you want to help me? Yeah, I want to help you. Why? Because I believe in you and I want you to do well. Uh, maybe there's a bit of competitive, maybe there's a bit of rivalry, maybe there's a bit of power struggle at work. Just let it go. Just seek the success of them. You know, any ego or, any, or, or offense in your heart, just let it go. Just forgive and just seek the success of others. Because not only will it, you know, demonstrate something to them, it'll actually expand you. It'll actually free you up. It'll actually prosper you more better. Is that right? More better, <laughs> right? You'll prosper, right? Because it's not about you. And God didn't come into this world for himself. God came into this world, right, for you. He came to seek the success of you. He came to forgive you. He came to love you. He wasn't serving himself. He came to serve. He didn't come in as a king and say, right, serve me today, baby. I'm the king of kings. You're going to serve me all your days. No, 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 no. He said, I'm going to model how to serve. Give of yourself. And, and, And I think as a church, I'm going to touch on this later, in the year, I think this phrase, right? I, I gave you two phrases at the beginning of the year. Change the game, which is to do with discipleship. Don't play games anymore. Let's get real with God. Change the game. And the second one was this, building bridges. I really feel in my heart to build bridges. Build bridges with community. Build, pe- build, build bridges with people. Teach people to build relationships themselves. Give them the tools and what to do. Teach them on it so that they'll put it into place. 
And you know what? That's about seeking the success of others. And if you want a simple phrase to sum up Christianity, it's simply this. Love your neighbor as yourself. That's it. Love the person next to you as you love yourself. You know, and, and if you don't love yourself, then I'd encourage you, put these things into place. Seek the success of others. Put God number one. Be generous with your giving and it'll change you and prosper you from the inside out. Christianity is about the inside out. It's not the outside in. It's God in you being manifest and being demonstrated to those around you. Love your neighbor as yourself. I'm going to say something about that later in the year that I think we could change community by loving each individual here, loving our neighbor.